0: Amen. Thank you so much again for being here this morning. What a great, awesome crowd. And uh, what we're doing in this sermon series about shaping your future self is uh, we're talking to you guys about how to kick off the year by developing some holy habits. And we've been sharing with you every Sunday a different holy habit that will allow God to develop your future self in this new year and all the things that he wants to do in your life uh, to make it better uh, as the kingdom of God grows in your heart. And uh, man, has it been happening. Uh, We launched our very first Sunday. Uh, We shared with you the message that I thought was going to sort of be the pinnacle point of all of this. And it would go down. But man, uh, you guys have been so, obedient to what God is doing. We give Him the glory But let me just say at the outset to the congregation, uh, how few times does pastors get to do this? But uh, I give God all the glory, but right below that is you guys being obedient. Man, I just want to give you guys a shout out. Thank you guys for being obedient because God moves when people obey Him, and they follow Him, and they do what's right, and you guys are doing just that. And so God is moving, and I just want to thank you for the life change. You guys are seeing decisions at the altar, uh, baptisms, and you're going to hear all all about that here in just a second so here's how we launched off the got the month started is I shared with you the very first holy habit that he wants to develop in your life is the ability to be able to praise him and we talked to you guys about the daily time of just praising God and so many of you have tuned into Christian music through your daily habit uh, you've been spending time in the Word praising him and it's changing your attitudes it's changing your perspective and uh, and that was so good I thought How can it get any better? And then we hit into week two, which was my favorite uh, message uh, in the sermon series, was about uh, being able to develop and, uh, and be able to set goals by faith. I challenged you on what God's word has to say about setting goals by faith, moving into a more intentional and meaningful life and trusting God to do what you're not capable of doing. And man, was that transformative. And then last week, Well, last week we get into holy ground stuff. The spirit of God was moving and we talked to you guys about the subject and boy, did we hit a nerve. Seeing yourself as God sees you. And we argued and made the the contention out of Luke 7 and the woman who just bowed before Jesus and she wept before him. Seeing yourself as God sees you because he no longer looks at the old you you ready for this when you've been redeemed when he looks at you he sees his son jesus somebody say amen that is good stuff and man did that begin to work in your hearts and lives? And so can I just begin this message? Not This is not the way they taught me in preacher school and all that stuff, but who cares because they don't usually pass their churches very well. And so I'm just going to say that online. Anyway, uh, but let me just share with you this morning, the truth of the matter is I want to start with a testimony uh, and just give God the glory of what he's doing in your all's lives uh, because that, we're just going to do it, all right, because I get to be in charge. Uh, and, and so uh, here's what, that God's testimony is simply this. It's been unbelievable of all the things that God has been doing in your all's hearts and lives. And so let me just give you a, a big shout out to God and give him the glory. We kicked all that off. So uh, Monday, uh, we, uh, and it's not just happening here on our campus, you guys saw the decisions that were made, but it's but at our satellite church in Missouri, they're watching online today, they meet in, in the Thomas house and our campus pastor there, uh, Alan, uh, was telling me the story that he said, we've got this guy named Roger that uh, his brother, I think it is, invited him uh, to be a part of their church and part of D group, but Roger drives a truck, and so Roger uh, isn't able to oftentimes be there with him in person, but he he watches, and then he meets up with him in their connect group. They meet after the service today there in Missouri, and then they talk about the message, and so Roger was listening to the message last week about how God sees him, and he says, you know what? God doesn't see Jesus in me because I've never accepted Jesus, and so Roger gets a hold of, uh, this is so cool, Josh, he gets a hold of Alan, and he says, hey, dude, man, I I need to ask you some questions, and on Monday, Alan, is able to lead Roger to Jesus Christ and he got saved. Give God a round of applause, is that's that so cool? And so Roger the truck driver gives his life to Christ. Alan's just busting out. He can't wait to call and tell me of what God was doing. But it wasn't just Roger that happened. Uh, you guys, we've been watching and listening of teenagers have made decisions for Christ. Young people you're going to hear a story about the very end of the message today of others that are making decisions for Christ. But um, and I'm just telling you, and, and by the way, we've not only just seen people getting saved and baptized, uh, but we've also seen life change. Uh, Many of you have had your personal relationships restored. Uh, I know of at least two marriages this month that were literally on the brinks of divorce and breakup and literally split, that just this month, God has restored marriages and brought people together. I mean, God is moving in such powerful ways that I can't even begin to quantify, uh, and I, I just, it's just incredible of what God is doing in people's lives, and it is so cool, and we just give him the shout out for that. But can I give you one more, and, uh, and this one I want to read to you. I normally don't do this, but man, I just got to testify of what God is doing in your all's hearts and lives. You all felt and experienced people just continually coming to the altar last week, and uh, one lady Writes and with her permission she allowed me and this is what she sent me and I got several texts like this she said uh, and I hope you guys can hear this and relate to her story she goes I've been so overwhelmed recently with the challenges that I am facing both at home and at work and even as a wife she says brother Terry the devil's been in my head anybody relate Uh, The devil just try to mess with you. She said the devil's been in my head. He has lied to me He's told me not to show up I mean to show anyone my emotions or weakness and this is so cool because I think the devil's so good at this She said so I I was like, you know I, I can't show anybody that I'm struggling because you know, we're not supposed to let anybody know But she said after the message Sunday, I realized I am weak I do struggle. I do have limitations. And you know what? It doesn't matter because I know that God has my future self. He will equip me for everything that I'm going to face, everything that I'm going to need, and all I've got to do is put my trust in him. That is money. She said it goes on to finish. and She says, I was created to be so much more than average. I have the ability to show his truth and to help others come to find Jesus just like I did. And so this morning, that's just a little flavor of what God has been doing this month to change in you all's lives to help you have uh, this future self that he wants to develop in your life. But let me give you one last antidote uh, thing that happened. And so, uh, it's just sort of funny. Uh, And uh, anyway, I'll just probably get in trouble, I'll tell you. So uh, after service, by the time we got done with the second service, James, uh, y'all wear me out. And by the way, just for the record, uh, Miss Pat's already warned me, don't do that again last week. I love her, she appreciates that, but but here's the thing. If y'all are gonna let the Holy Spirit move in y'all's lives and happen what happened in service, Y'all got to get a younger preacher because I'm too old for this. But anyway, so I got done with the second service. I physically, honestly, could barely move and just was exhausted, just the whole thing going down. And so I literally just got out and sat in a chair, and people still just kept coming around, which is awesome. I love I love hanging out with you all. And so people are coming around, and I had more than one say this. It's like three people, but one particular lady, I'll tell her story. She comes up to me, and I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm just trying to, you know, breathe uh, at this point. And so she comes up to me and she says uh pastor i just got to tell you this i know you're tired i know you're exhausted but she said uh um she goes i just got to tell you this story she goes and they got three kids and she said but uh i grew up in the pentecostal church and she said and and you need to know that uh, man i saw the holy spirit a lot in the pentecostal church but then i got married and she goes and he drove me off to the Baptist Church. <laughs> and I just bust out laughing. And, uh, and I heard other people say the same thing. She goes, but he, he drove me off to the Baptist Church. I ain't seen the Holy Spirit in years. And, um, and then we're getting everybody in tune now. Let's watch it online. Anyway, and, and so she said, and so she finished out. She said, but I'll tell you what. She goes, I would have never dreamed. I would have never dreamed, Pastor Terry that the Holy Spirit would have been a Baptist church, but I found him last week, I found him today. Uh, And so I was just like, uh, that is so cool. I don't know really what that means, but I think it's awesome. Uh, And so we're glad that the Holy Spirit is moving in your hearts and your lives, and we're so thankful that you're a part of us, whether you're Pentecostal or Baptist, we don't care. Uh, We just want you to know Jesus, amen. And so this morning, I want to share with you today, uh, as we continue in this sermon series, uh, speaking of testimonies, as I'm going to land... On this platform of this fourth holy habit in your hearts and lives I want to share with you at the beginning this morning again We're not taught to do this, but we're gonna do it anyway Is what I'm getting ready to share with you is not just something I read in a book It is not some theory or even an exposition now. We're going to totally unpack the Bible today It's going to be all about the Word of God, but it's not just a historical perspective of the Scripture What I'm going to share with you this morning I have lived out. I know when you see this, you're like, why in the world would God use him? I get that. But, uh, but a lot of times people think in this old school stupid idea, it was never true then and it's not true now, never has been, never will be. The preachers just live this life where they're holy and they do all this stuff. And, you, know, and they're, you, know, we, you know how we used to put them on a pedestal and stuff like that junk. Well, I got news for you never have been in a pedestal not worthy to be on a pedestal don't want to be on yours don't even want to be on mine and believe it or not we have troubles too i don't have time to walk you through all the experiences but for the first 13 years of my life in ministry for whatever god's sense of humor he called me to be a pastor at 22 i'm pastoring a church I don't know my head from a hole in the ground, but I'm pastoring people just like you at 22. Uh, my first deacon in the church, a little church in Thomaston, Georgia, looked at me, and he told me this, sit on the back row. You know, he was perfect for a deacon. Anyway, uh, just sort of like Kevin back there. Anyway, and so this deacon just sat on the back row, and he, just looked, <laughs> and he just looked at me, and he said, I'll never forget Thomas, he looked at me, a little bitty old guy, and he said, I want you to know something, preacher, your first Sunday here. He's still wet behind the ears. You know, the whole country thing. And he said, and I want you to know something. He said, I was here before you came. I'll be here when you're gone. I ran off every preacher that's come here. So just get in line, big boy. And I'm like, yay, Jesus. So anyway, and so, uh, and, and, and then the thing was, and he told me, and they did, and they believed it, and they lived out this prophecy, Mark. He said, we believe in not paying our preachers much because that way we keep them poor and humble, and buddy, they did it. Uh, anyway, and I'm just telling you, is that uh, which was so stupid because you get what you pay for. Uh, anyway, I uh, so, <laughs> just told him, uh, y'all never think about that. Chew on that one. Uh, anyway, uh, and so the truth of the matter is, is that's not in my manuscript, but anyway, uh, the, the truth of the the matter is, is that um, we would go through years, like a decade, of literally trying to survive with just enough food to put on the table, of not how we're knowing we're gonna get through the end of the week, facing opposition as a young preacher. And, and I know that my story's different than yours, and you guys battle it, and man, I ate for you, and this is why I pray over you, because you guys face the enemy in hell every day. But can I just give you this, not sympathy, but you have to understand one little thing, other thing, is you realize the devil comes after me in different ways. I don't face all of the cussing and all of the worldly stuff that you guys do and all the temptation, but he messes with my head and he messes with my heart and my spirit because you have to understand if the Satan can take me out, then he's going to get a whole lot more people to fall. And so this morning, when I share with you this message about how do we get through hard times in our life, I just want you to know it's not because I've lived a perfect life and got it all down. I want to tell you, and I want you to write these things down because I've lived through them. And what I've discovered is some habits that will help you and I learn how to live through and hold on. And that's my message, how to hold on in hard times. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Psalms 139, habits that help me hold on in hard times. And uh, this uh, fourth pillar that we're talking about, I borrowed the concept from Pastor Rick Warren, uh, but then I just sort of took it with my own direction. But this fourth pillar is talking about these habits that help us hold on in hard times. And I'm going to unpack, excuse me, just two verses in Psalms 139, the final two verses. But before we get there, I want to take us back through uh, the text a little bit more. Now, let me just throw this out to you, one last thing. And then we'll get back into my regular preaching mode here. Is that uh if, if you guys really want to have an exciting devotion life this week, go through the entire book of Psalms 139. I don't have time to preach on it, but I got news for you. This chapter is electric, and uh, there's a whole sermon series coming down the pike, Jim, uh, out of Psalms 139. It is just incredible. I'm going to give you a little taste of it uh, this morning, uh, but but Psalms 139, and here's what scholars tell us about this text, and they're so right. The poem begins uh, with the psalmist giving us hope, and he's writing saying that my hope rests entirely on the truth that God uh, God, with God who knows me now the Hebrew word no you're going to hear this again and again in, in Psalms 139 matter of fact seven times the Hebrew word no occurs in this chapter and every time that you hear that word the the psalmist is declaring God knows me it's interpersonal relationship God knows me God knows me And God is crazy about me. So let me just give you this. All right, you ready? Uh, Here's what he says in verse 1. This is so good. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Notice again, known me. You know, underline that, when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search my path and lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, relationship, he knows you. Even before a word, now get this, Baptist people, every, even before a word was on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you knew it all together. That may cause you to think twice before you let her fly. I'm just saying. You hem me in, this is my favorite part of the text, you hem me in, you hem me in, behind and before, no matter what's happened in my past, no matter what I'm afraid of in the future, you've got it all covered, And you lay your hand upon me oh that is so good such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high and I cannot attain it now ladies and gentlemen what this text is screaming out to you and I I'm not sure y'all are getting this uh, but you all should have been shouting at this point what this text is screaming out is God is crazy about you God is crazy about you he knows you he knows you, and yet he is still crazy about you. And that's crazy town. All right, I'm not sure y'all got it, so let me explain to you. let me illustrate to you this way. Whenever um, Belen and I were dating, that's my wife, uh, anyway. And so when we were dating in high school, we were high school sweethearts, and so I was sort of, you know, the basketball stud star. Anyway, and uh, so uh, I go to ask Belen out for our very first date. And um, so I walked up to her, you know, suave as I am, Brian, hey. And uh, actually I was like, um, you know, I was trying to get the words out, but anyway. And so I fumbled through and I just said, after the ball game tonight, after I score my, you know, 20, uh, it's, uh, but after the ball game tonight, is uh, they knew it was serious. I looked at her and I said, hey, You want to go to Pizza Hut? You laugh, all you younger folks. But listen, in our day, I'm talking when you went to Pizza Hut. Now, that was serious town. Can I get a witness? If you're older, I'm not talking about McDonald's and Burger King or Taco Bell. Buddy, when you take a girl to Pizza Hut, you mean business. And so, because so, I was a big-time spender, uh, and so, so we go to Pizza Hut, and you all have heard that part of the story. We go to Pizza Hut, and I knock the table over, and we had ashtrays because, you know, we were all smoking. Anyway, uh, and so the ashtray falls over the floor, break it, and then uh, we get in the truck. Now, I had a ride, you know, that picked up the chicks. It was a 1977 Ford Courier. It was big enough for one-and-a-half persons. It was a s- tomato soup can on wheels. Went from zero to forty if you're going downhill. So I get in the truck and and uh, and because I'm cool, Mike, I go to make my move you know put my arm around her well the stupid truck was so tiny it had one seat i like break my elbow on the window i mean just crack it open i go oh oh she's going are you okay you know and she's like freaking out and and uh and then i finally get my arm around her and i get her hair caught on my watch and so i just janked her head like you know clean (laughs) clean off and (laughs) because i was smooth and uh and so, so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, you know, is she going to go out with me again and, and all that? So, you know, I ask her for the second day. But this is how I'm playing it in my head, Chris, because, you know, that's what we do. That's cool, guys. And I'm thinking, you know, yeah, she's going to say, yeah, because, you know, this was her cheer. You know, she watched me, you know, be the star basketball player. So she would cheer and she would go. And this is how I played it in my head. She would go and cheer. Terry, Terry, if he can't make it, nobody can. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, it's not really what she did. And yeah, you know, okay, dang it. I probably shouldn't have done that one. Anyway, uh, is that, but in my mind, that's what I heard, you know, when I was on the basketball court is her just here for me only. And so, I, but honestly, I just made all that up. Uh, I never really thought that. So I really did look at her, Jim, and I go, do you want to go out again? <laughs> so I was like, you know, dude, I'm, I'm bombing here. This is crashing. And she goes, sure. And I was like, wow. And so, listen I'm trying to figure out why. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know you're thinking the same thing. And so come to find out, Lucinda, she was crazy about me. And apparently, all the cool studly stuff of being in the basketball store and all those stuff, she wasn't impressed by that at all. What she was impressed, she just literally was infatuated with the fact, how does this guy live? I mean, how does this guy make it through the day? And I've got to know more. And, and I cracked her up. I made her laugh uh, because I just fumbled my way through life. And she thought I was funny. Uh, and so uh, she had to go out on a second date just to figure out how I breathe and walk. Uh, and, and, and so, but here's the thing: to come to find out, she was crazy about me as me. She was crazy about who I was. As I was. And here's what I want you to get this morning. God is crazy about you as you are. With all of your stumbling and bumbling, of all of your sins and all of your stupid mistakes and all the dumb things that you all have done in this room this morning, and I don't care who you are, all of us have done the stupid things, and yet he's still crazy about us. Somebody say amen. amen. That's crazy Town. And so this text is screaming at us. God still loves us. No matter how screwed up we are, he still loves us and he's pursuing us. And so he loves you as you are. Now that's the kind of God that I want to get to know. Are you tracking with me this morning? Let's take it to the next level. And this is still, we're not got to our, let's just, all right, we've got to read the rest of the chapter here. Verse 13, for you were formed, this is what God is saying to the psalmist, in my inward parts, you knitted, are the psalmist is saying to God, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at me this morning before I go on. To all of my Gen Z's millennials here this morning that are struggling with identity, trying to figure out where your place is at in life and all the crazy stuff that's going on in this generation, look at me this morning. Listen to me, and I beg and I plead with you because we love you. Listen to me this morning. You don't have to figure out all of this stuff. Hear me this morning. You are made in the image of a living God. You don't have to freak out about what you're supposed to become, what your identity is, or anything else. Listen to me. He made you like you are. He created you the God of the universe that put the stars in the heaven made you like you are Pursue him and know that your identity is in him. Amen I'm just telling you and by the way, this is why we're pro-life because we believe that he gave us all life He gave us all life And so he says I celebrate your wonderful works. So my know- soul knows it very well My frame was not hidden from you you I when I was being made in secret Intricately woven in the depths of the earth your eyes saw me Unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me God knew about your life before you ever were even born and one yet There was none of them how precious to me are your thoughts. Oh God How vast is the sum of them if I could count them they were more than the sand I awake and I'm still with you I don't know how else to tell you this, but can I put it in Mississippi terms that y'all get in? God is crazy about you. God is crazy about you, and he made you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. No matter how screwed up, no matter how messed you up you are, he thinks you're funny. He loves you. And he wants to hang out with you here's what dr jamie grant noted old testament scholar he nails it in describing this about the text the psalms is about meditating on human destiny before god it is intimately personal as is the god to whom the psalm testifies he goes on to argue now this is good and I don't have this in my notes, but I want you to write this down this morning. As I was, you know, wrote the sermon and got into Tanner's stuff, but this is so good. He, what he goes on to and makes the argument is that God is contending in Psalms 139 the difference between flight and fascination. You say, what, what, what is Dr. Gary, uh, what is he arguing? And here's the point that he's making. You see, when times get hard, when the hard times come in your life and mine, the devil lies to us. It's what my sister wrote in the, what I began the sermon with today. And the devil lies to you and he tells you that church people are bad. He tells you there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church and there are and, there, and it is true. But what he's, not, what he's not telling you is that God is authentic and God loves you and what matters is not how people act or what they do. What matters is, is that God is crazy about you. Now run to him, worship him, get your backside in church and do and follow him in relationship with him because he wants you to be fascinated with him. Don't run, don't fly away, don't quit. Get fascinated with the God who created you. And here's here's the subject matter. And this is what the whole sermon is about. Write it down. Take a picture of it. It's what you're going to be discussing in small groups tonight. The God who is near to us is the God, what have we taught you this morning, is the God who knows us. He knows even those parts of our lives that we would prefer to remain hidden. In other words, he's saying, don't take flight. Don't run away from him. Don't ignore him. I need you to be fascinated with the fact that God is crazy about you. Have y'all got this down? Let me give you one last biblical example. You're not the first people that God's been crazy about. You're not the first ones that he's been crazy about. Would, would you like to hear a little biblical history this morning about God being crazy about his, his creation people just like you. There was this dude who was, uh, and and I'm talking about screwed up people. I'm talking about people that have made mistakes that God is still crazy about. Let me give you the first one. There was this guy that was way back, uh, like 6,000 years ago, and God laid, and he meets him in a burning bush, and he says to this dude out in the desert, he says, I'm gonna raise you up to be a leader, and you're gonna lead an entire group of people out of Egyptian slavery, and and I'm gonna, matter of fact, I'm gonna, you're gonna be the leader. You're gonna go out and do this miracle, and what's gonna happen, is I'm going to use you and, and the whole time this dude Moses is arguing with God and saying not me you, 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 don't, you picked out the wrong guy I came to the desert I'm hiding out because I killed a dude I'm a murderer, you don't want me, I'm the wrong dude, you just got messed up here. And God says, no, 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 you're going to be the guy that I'm going to raise up because I'm crazy about you, I'm going to part the Red Sea, and you're going to see my miracles in your heart and your life, because I'm crazy about you, Moses. And then there was another guy by the name uh, of David, and this guy had murdered, he had committed adultery, then killed the dude's wife that he slept with, I mean... We're kicking him out of the church. I have nothing to do with him. This guy is trouble. And God says to him, I'm going to raise you up to be the king of Israel and from your tribe will become my very son. And and, and David's like, no way. And so God says, I'm going to put you on the throne. And you know what happens in his life after that? For two years, the present king is hunting him down and doing his best to kill him. And David, for two years, Ernie, is hiding out in caves. God has promised him the throne. None of that's happening. And when he gets to his very lowest point and cries out, God, you said you would protect me. God, you said you would bless me. Now, where are you at in this? And God comes down into a cave and he says, David, I am crazy about you. And he takes David from the cave and puts him on the throne because he He's crazy about us. Now, ladies, we're not going to get left out of here. He's crazy about you all, maybe more. Because there was a young girl about 2,000 years ago who winds up coming up pregnant. And everybody in town is doing what we still do. They're all talking about her. They're calling her all the names that we call a girl like that. Nobody in her family wants anything to do with her. Put her aside. Some were even arguing, kill her. But God showed up and he says to a teenage girl, 15 years old, who's pregnant, I'm crazy about you. I love you. And matter of fact, Mary, if you'll become fascinated with me and not run no flight fascination with me what I'm fixing to do in your heart and your life is not only am I going to redeem your life but you're going to give birth to the Son of the Living God and you will be remembered for all generations you see God was crazy about Mary ladies and he used her to be the glorious mother of the Son of God somebody say amen so we have a rich biblical history of God loving and being crazy about people. So now, Pastor Terry, how do we translate this into a daily habit, into our life? And I'm so thankful that you asked that question because here's how you practice this holy habit in your life and mine. This becomes your prayer. Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see If there's any grievous way in me, and then I love this last phrase, and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's what God's been pouring into my life. I'm going to share with you in just a second uh, that particular story as we wrap all of this up. So the psalmist desires and he's enamored with the presence of God, knowing God. We've, we've hit that, covered that for you guys this morning. So now, what I want to share with you is uh, next Sunday, I'm going to give you a lot more of the list. For you note-takers, you're going to love it. Today, you're going to be ticked off. But today, I just got one note for you to write down, so you guys can do this. For those of you, well, never mind, I was going to say graduated from certain school. But anyway, uh, so we've got one thing to write down today. have got one thing, and here's what I want you to write down. Here's how we put this holy habit into practice. I have to keep my life clean, I have to keep my life clean. You remember uh, back in the day when you would pull up to a gas station? Remember how they used to have it on certain stations? They would say something of this nature. It said, uh, "If you want to have, uh, a, a, if you have a dirty engine, then your car is going to lose power." buy the expensive gas, basically. A clean engine gives you more power. I think that's true in the Christian life as well, is that what God is teaching us in Psalms 139 is the reason that we have no spiritual power in our life is because our lives are dirty. We, we, we need a clear conscience, and we've got to learn to allow God to clean up the guilt in our hearts, in our lives. I love history. I love reading about people, uh, both secular and in biblical, church history, uh, Christian history, all of that. That's just my, my thing and uh, I've read probably over 50 books and, and here's the thing that I found in all of study in history None of the people that I've read that God used live perfect exemplary lives Matter of fact, here's what I found every single one of them would go through a phase in their life of refinement before God gave them that special assignment that would make them noteworthy. I don't have this in my notes, but I want you to write this down, and especially if you're younger in the room, but everybody in this here needs to hear that again. There's always, write this down, there's always refinement before a new assignment. God takes you through this refining process before he leads you to this new blessed experience. And that's what I'm telling you. I've lived this out. I've seen this both in history. We've given you the biblical examples of this. And how do we learn that process? We keep on going. When we feel like flight, we become fascinated with God, that he knows this and he understands. And that leads us back to Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart try me this is our prayer and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me when you pray that prayer you're going to be like the lady uh, that um, i've had this happen a number of times lady will come up to me and she says you know i'm so thankful that i got married but she said i had no idea that when i walked down the aisle that day in my nice white dress, what kind of pain that I was bringing into this new relationship? Now, get this: she she had a great story, and this is so illustrative of this principle. She said the problem was, is I've been married before, and she said, well I put on the white dress and ready for a nice fresh start in this new relationship. The problem was, what I drug down the aisle that day was a garbage bag full of regret, full of pain, full of hurt, full of fear, and I drug it down the aisle into this new relationship because I still was carrying the baggage of my past. And she said, Pastor Terry, what I realized is that I needed to let it go. And so that I want to talk to you this morning because I think that's a perfect illustration of of how that we mess up our lives. And, And I want to teach you guys this morning how that we clean up our lives, how to keep our lives clean. And that is we've got to learn to dump the regret. We've got to learn to dump the shame. We've got to let go of the fear that is keeping us from experiencing God's presence. And you want to know how to do that? There's one word I want you to write down this morning. One word, Confession. Confession. The word confession translated in the original Greek is the word homologio. And what that means, and this is so cool, what that means is when I confess, the translation it simply means that I agree with God. That when God speaks, I agree that this is wrong. In my life, when God says, this is wrong, this needs to change, I agree with you, God, you're right. I need to change this in my life, and you confess it, and you agree with God, and then God says what? If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Guys, let it go. Dump your pain, your fears, your, your, your failures, all of it. Dump it on him. Confess it to him, and let it go. And God says that's how you keep your life clean. Don't keep bringing the old garbage bag of all of your sorrows from the past. Confess it to him. Agree with God and let him be the one that brings you back into fellowship with him. So this morning, we understand that he is the one that is crazy about us. But you know, it's easier to hear than it is to do. So I'm going to, again, today feels like a testimony of my struggles. But that's what the Lord's laid on my heart for today. I really suck at telling people that I love, that I love them. And you all know that about me. I love passionately. I love being your pastor in your church. But to just tell my own kids how proud of them. I know this is terrible, and I'm embarrassed, but I suck at just telling them how much I love them. My beautiful bride. I just it, and I know, I've got the excuse, and you know, the psychology, I've read all the books, I've been through all the training, and my dad never told me he loved me, and I get that. But, you know, stop it, I'm redeemed. God has changed that. Just because I didn't hear it, doesn't mean that gives me a point not to do it. I love you guys. I'm so flippin' proud of y'all. I'm not crazy as about you as God is. Some of you it's a little challenging. But I'll be honest with you. Okay, several of you. But anyway, but the truth is it just does something for you to know that you're loved and to hear those words. Are you with me? To just have somebody say those words. By the way, my dad has uh, dementia now, and he's in a home. And all those years, it's been a lot of pain. My dad tried to kill me. It's very, I won't get into all the stories. It's, it was not a great home. But I, got, I drive to Illinois every month to take care of the dad that abused me and to do the right thing. And you know what's happened in his dementia years? It's James for some of the first time ever. My dad just knows who I am. That's basically all he has. His mind is pretty well gone. But he'll look at me and he'll go, thank you for coming. I love you and I'm proud of you. I think God just gave me that. And I'm 58 years old have all the stuff that I have in my life and I still needed to hear that (laughs) you call me whatever you want to call me but I, I just needed to hear that and what God is trying to say to you all today is I'm crazy about you I'm crazy about you I'm proud of you and I love you and what he is saying to us today is run and be fascinated to come clean with God and just say, God, that's what I want in my life. Search me, oh God, and I want to keep my relationship with you clean. And so what God has been speaking into my life is these verses. And so um, this is what I'm praying in my life. And here's how I got to these verses. And so I'm just going to leave them with you this morning. The holy habit, the holy habit of really, truly being able Uh, to understand this process of how to hold on, hold on in hard times. I go to a conference uh, in December, um, and uh, Rob Gallaty, national speaker, uh, he's talking to us for real Patterson, a, And so the room is packed. It's at the Marriott Hotel Convention Center. I'm sitting in the back, and I'm not going to lie. You know, I was honestly a little bit arrogant. And I'm sitting in the back, and Rob's just, you know, we've, we've been practicing discipleship and doing that here. So I'm not lying. I'm just sitting in the back, and I'm like, go get him, buddy. And we got a bunch of guys that are just, you know, not doing what they ought to be doing. Buddy, I'm just turning it loose on them, Robbie. Hit them, man. Hit them hard. And so you know i'm just sitting there like get a man you know i'm already on board with this you know because i'm somehow better than you guys and so i'm just sitting there back waiting for him to just tell them what for y'all ever went to church like that y'all don't look at me because i know good and well like i hope my husband gets that anyway and so i'm just sitting there back like you all and i'm thinking go get him robbie and guess what god's got a sense of humor God can just rip your heart out sometimes, and so well I'm like, go get him, and he's preaching, and he's nailing it, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden, he starts preaching about the fact that you need to get along with God, and the reason that your churches are dead and dying is because you ain't got no power, there's no anointing on your life and your ministry, and I'm going, yeah, they need to hear that, and the Holy Spirit's going, no, you need to hear that, shut up. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm, you know, uh, I'm better than them. And he goes, no, you're not. Uh, And so the Holy Spirit just starts wearing me out. And he says, you know, well, your church is doing all this stuff. What you're not, what you're missing is, is I need you to go to the next level. And how you go to the next level, and Rob Galley says, with all the uh, revival that's happening at our church at Long Hollow, he says, you want to know where it's coming from? Because God has told me to get alone with him. And so what God laid on my heart at the conference was, is he said, quit worrying about all the other preachers and get alone with me. I want you to take 15 minutes, just start out slow, and take 15 minutes a week and just do nothing but get out in the quiet and with just your Bible and some Christian music and don't pray and ask me for anything, you just sit there in silence until I speak to you. And I know I'm stupid. Are y'all ever stupid? And I look at him and I said, well, this is Christmas for Pete's sake. We've got 47 things going on. I don't have time to have an extra, you know, 10 minutes to just do all that. So I put it off till January because I'm an idiot. And so in January, I'm studying for this sermon series, and God starts wearing my heart out and my life out, and he says, what I need you to do is to hear from me. And so I said, fine. And so I started with 10 minutes a week, and all of a sudden now, I'm spending 30 minutes a week, sometimes two days a week with 30 minutes, and I don't have anything but my Bible, some Christian music, and I don't pray and ask him for anything, Granny, and I just sit there until God speaks. And you know what God has told me? Basically just two things. So I thought that was pretty cool. And the first one was has blown my mind. You know what he said to me? He said, I need you to quit praying over some people. And I'm like, what? And I really said this out loud, man. As I said, God, that's biblical. You're wrong. Have you ever been stupid? And I told God, that's not biblical. We're supposed to pray for people. And God reassured me very abruptly. I wrote the book. I know what's in it. So he said, here's the problem, though you're praying over some people not everybody but you're praying over some people wrong and I go what are you talking about they need to do this they need to do that he goes that's exactly the problem he said you're wasting time that I need you to be leading this church I need you to be focused on hiring new people doing all the things that I need you to do at this church but he said you're spending your time praying for certain people to change and the real problem with them is that they're really not necessarily doing anything wrong uh, but the problem is is you want them to be different than what your personality is and what I need you to do is quit trying to make them what you think they should be and let me take care of them. Ouch. And so God said, quit praying change into their life that you want and allow me to do what I'm going to do and you focus on the other stuff I have for you to do. That was a tough lesson. But you know what the other thing that he's done for me? Is he's just told me for 30 minutes, that he loves me. And that when you gotta preach Miss Ann's funeral, I'm gonna help you do it. When you've got a marriage that's about to break up and you gotta do counseling, I'm gonna help you do it. When people are dying and going to hell, I'm gonna get you up with all of your frailties and weakness and I'm gonna raise you up to preach and you're gonna see me move in the month of January, like you've never seen me to move. And I'm going to do it through you because Terry Pierce, despite what anybody else says about you, I'm crazy about you. That's it. So Jim, this is the verse that God has given me in my time with him. Psalms 139, 5 and 6. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Ladies and gentlemen, God is crazy about you and he wants you to be fascinated with him. Will you stand with me this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> I want you to know this morning as we sing and are we prepare for the invitation and we're just gonna have music today if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior I want to invite you to come even now and know the God who sent his son from glory when you couldn't go to glory he sent his son for you and today you can have that personal relationship with him this morning just like Roger just like Krista that got baptized last Sunday and just like Hudson that got saved on Friday you're gonna hear all those stories in just a second but this morning Well, we want to invite you to come. Our counselors will meet with you. They'll pray with you. You come on even as we're just playing and I'm talking. I want to do the invitation a little different this morning. I know it's not the way we normally do it, but it's it's okay. With your head bowed, I'm going to read a prayer. Never normally do this, but I'm going to read a prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer. Repeat after me this prayer. I want to talk to my church. I love you guys. With every head bowed, Will you pray this with me, church? Jesus, I want you to be the manager of my life. I want you to say it to God. Jesus, I want you to be the manager of my life. I want to surrender every area of my life to you. I surrender my finances. I surrender my future. I surrender my health. I surrender my body. I surrender my relationships. I surrender my dreams. I even surrender my sex life. I surrender every part of me to you. I want you to call the shots in these hard times that I'm walking through. I want to develop the habits that help me hold on in hard times. Help me to have a clean life. Help me to keep my eyes open. Help me to see what you're trying to teach me in these hard times. Teach me to be fascinated with you and not to run. Lord, help me to be a grateful, have a grateful heart and to realize that literally everything I have and do is a gift from you. Now, would you look at me this morning? I don't know what hard season that you may be going through here this morning, But I want you to know two things. One is we care about you. That's why we spend so much effort. You're going to hear about that in just a minute. We're going to have a second part to this, and it'll be brief. But I love you, and I'm praying for you. But I know more than anything else, God is crazy about you. Do you believe that this morning? Then would you worship Him? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.